0: Hey there. Welcome to the show. Yeah, here we are last Sunday of November. We're coming into Christmas. Uh, I'm not sure if many of you celebrated Thanksgiving this past week, but um, I understand that, um, you know, a lot of people were eating turkey. So maybe you did. Maybe you just wanted to catch the football as everybody does Black Friday, you know, tomorrow you know, Cyber Monday, everybody's getting ready for Christmas. So how can we talk about real estate? Well, you know what? There is so much to talk about always. It just seems like it's, you know, at least topic number one or two on everybody's tip of their tongue. And this week, of course, we have our real estate talk triangle. My panelist, uh, Tim Serianos, he is broker owner of Remax Ultimate. Greg Benell, he is anchor and host at BNN Bloomberg. They are my panelists, have been for the last few years, and they're gonna be joining me, and we're gonna talk everything real estate and what the heck is going on. In fact, you know, some of the stuff I'm gonna talk about right now is you know front and center, especially to a guy like me. And the reason why I say that is, as most of you know, I'm a real advocate of investment real estate. And speaking of, coming up on Thursday, January the 6th, that's right, next year, Uh, You can join me for my simple real estate investment webinar and I'm going to be talking about everything related to investment real estate. What does 2022 look like? How about for you? Have you, uh, Have you always wanted to become a real estate investor but you just haven't? You know, a lot of people just get stuck on that fence. They just can't do it. Or you know, they're investing in something else and they're not getting the returns they're looking for. So it's sort of like that definition of insanity, doing the same thing time and time again and expecting a different result. Well, guess what? Maybe we can change the stars and uh, join me. Uh, like I said, Thursday, January the 6th, 7 p.m. Go to the thesimpleinvestor.com and um, I hope that it's probably... You know, the best hour that you can spend, at least to give yourself some kind of idea of what investment real estate really, really truly looks like. And that's what we do at The Simple Investor. We break it down to make it as simple as possible. So, uh, and you can always follow me on Instagram, The Simple Investor One. But Let's talk about and this is normally when I get on a rant and I'm going to be careful because I could really get revved up on this one but I'm really getting sick and tired of the government and everybody blaming real estate investors for the increase in value and the fact that some of these first-time home buyers aren't getting a shot at buying properties. So, well, let's talk about it because when we when I hear that it's more than 25% of Ontario home buyers are real estate investors because they're pushing the prices higher. A lot of them are talking about the speculative play. So in other words, they're just hopping in the market to make some money. And then you see some of these numbers that the government wants to throw out and use as a sledgehammer to say, look, it's all being driven by the greedy investor. Well. Hang on for a second. You know, before you start shooting off your mouth, maybe you need to take a look in your own backyard and realize the backyard is not very densely populated because you don't let us build the properties necessary. And this is the problem. When the government starts weighing in on inventory, they have overstepped their lane way okay they need to stay in their lane and turn around and just give us more money give it to the developers give it to the municipalities and get rid of the red tape so we can create the inventory necessary well it was kind of funny because during the throne speech our dear prime minister decided to throw out the fact that well he's going to pledge some money to real estate well, that's awfully decent of them. How much? He says about $4 billion to fund to finance 100,000 new urban homes by 2025. Okay, so let's throw that out there. Sure, we're swinging around to 2022, so three years, 100,000 homes. I'm sorry, but that's not even close to what we need. And the idea that he's going to create a new rent to own program, um okay, well, that's already been thought of. Most developers are willing to throw that out. So why don't you you know fast track this? Get it over to the developers, give them some money, Get rid of the red tape. And a hundred thousand, you're not even close, Mr. Trudeau. We need 500,000 in that time frame, and that's not going to happen because the red tape keeps muddying the waters. But, you know, there was that program during the 2019 election that absolutely fell on its face, and they figured they're going to revamp it. Hey, it didn't work the first time, so let's just rebrand it and throw it back out there. First-time homebuyer incentive. You know, this is where the CMHC decided to be your partner it's funny. Who in the the right world would want to turn around and have the government as their partner in a house? In fact, their anticipation, they thought in the first few months, they'd get twenty or thirty thousand people take up it. It was in the hundreds. In fact, basically nobody wanted any part of it. And the idea was that the government would give you 10% of the purchase price if you're buying new, 5% if you're buying resale, and they would turn around and secure on your actual property that they are going to be your partner. Wow, okay. So fast forward, you need to sell it, they gain their profit, and maybe you can get out of being a partner. But you know, the whole idea behind this is that you have to involve CMHC. Now CMHC, for those of you, uh, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation allow you to do what they call a high ratio mortgage, which means less than 20% down. You can do 5%, 10%, 15%. When you hit 20%, we're now talking about a conventional mortgage no longer insured by CMHC. So what's the difference? Well, for first time home buyers, it, you know, it enables them to get in with a lower down payment. So 5% basically on a $600,000 purchase. That's pretty easy math, 30, $30,000, a good part of your down payment's going to be eaten up by fees though. Just so you know, they do charge a fee normally about 3% of the mortgage. So again, your down payments, not nearly as substantial as you think. So Where is the answer when these guys are sitting there throwing this out there saying, we're going to do this, we're going to revamp this program? Well, I personally don't think that it makes any sense for them to do this. But one of the things that we do know is the bank of mom and dad are pointing up more and more money. But the one thing that they do is, you know, typically if you've been in home ownership for years and years and years and you've done well with your primary residence, a lot of times the parents would look at it and say, we don't want you paying to have a high ratio mortgage so they're giving people a little bit more of a significant down payment so backtrack to the 600,000 20% down 120 almost the average of what the average first-time homebuyer is now putting down on their properties thanks to the bank of mom and dad and it makes a whole lot of sense because when they do it if they use a let's say a home line of credit which they can put on their primary it's fairly inexpensive for them to be able to finance that to help you get to that first property so of course now media is sitting there saying, yeah, but those greedy, you know, investors are getting in the way, and a lot of the first-time homebuyers aren't able to get there. Well, just so we're clear, the average uh, in home, I, I, w- I would say, um, the average person that is going to want to be a real estate investor isn't really gonna compete against you. They're either buying brand new because they're looking again at a little bit of capital gains and it gives them time to be able to get into it. If they're just buying in the downtown core, if the property's tenanted, well, it kinda makes sense because unless you're going owner occupied, it's good to keep a tenant if they've got a good track record, a good rental rate. So these are all the things that a lot of investors will look at. And so again, to blame them I got to tell you, I'm struggling with it. I really am. And I just think that they need to back off and realize that we are in dire need of more rental properties. And without them, we're going to find almost a zero vacancy, especially in the Toronto core area, which is going to make it even worse for people trying to rent because the lowest number of rentals that we can get and all of a sudden, what happens? Rents go up, makes it more unaffordable. What we need is we need a bunch of rental properties come up and maybe that's going to allow people to drop the uh, the actual vacancy rate and drop some of the rent rate so these are the kind of things that we need to keep our eye on and speaking of keeping your eye on things you know we've been talking talking about the bubble aspect of real estate for years and years and years and years and the problem is is that there's a few marketplaces that they're saying you know that are going to have a bubble and you know when i take a look at the reports they either they, they say either it's going to be great The market's going to stay that way or it's going to implode and this is the areas that have had some increases you know the whitby ajax oshawa area they're saying oh that's not sustainable my question is is why do you think people were speculating going into those markets in the first place they were affordable so that's why they moved there and again when people want to sit there and start throwing you know their weight into these topics and saying oh no no it's not going to work that way they've speculated they're hoping to make money not really you know, what we're going to continue to do is we're going to continue to see anything that's relatively close to the GTA. Even when, you know, we start seeing people come back, the workforce starts returning to the offices. If they're within that that bandwidth of a half an hour to let's call it an hour drive, I can guarantee you those people aren't going to up and leave if they have to go back to work full time or even, you know, a mixed schedule. It's the people that might have gone even further to the outer markets, and that'll be, that time will tell if they have to start returning and doing long trips. So these are the kind of things that we're going to have a good conversation with, with my panelists, uh, with a real estate talk triangle. But as I mentioned, you know, lots of things going on in the marketplace. Um, just throwing it out and, and, you know, can you believe a house sold for $1.2 million over the asking price? Well, that's going to happen when you list it for a dollar and yep, that's what happened in Toronto, and the house listed for a dollar sold for 1.2 million. So does the agent get to turn around and actually throw out a flyer that says sold for over 1.2 over the asking price? I don't know, that's such a bait and switch at this point. I think people are getting wise to it. The fact is is that it was probably worth 1.2 million or 1.19 and you, know, you just had that extra push. So this is where the pricing of real estate sometimes gets a little silly people know what the dollar value is going to be. You know, they just tempt it by dropping it down a little. They're trying to create these multiple offers. And by the way, that's not working as well as everybody thinks. You know what? People that are turning around saying, "Oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait." Sometimes the first offer is the best. Now, Again, I was on with Jerry Agar this week, and one of the things about offers and multiple offers was the fact that people were not putting in conditions on inspections, and now a whole lot of litigation is starting to pop up, and they're talking about, you know, suing the seller because they might have known that there was a latent defect. Guess what? If you don't put a home inspection, it's pretty hard to prove unless it was that blatant and the the seller did not divulge it. So one thing I always tell sellers to do, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the wait game and you want to get multiple offers, go get a home inspection, get a pre-inspection done. It makes a whole lot of sense. Give them a document and say, go as firm as you can now. And it's all about the money. Anyway, speaking about all the mo- about the money, I will be joined by my panelists right after the break. And don't forget to sign up for our webinar january the 6th that's a thursday 7 p.m go to the simpleinvestor.com and we'll be right back after this and welcome back as i mentioned before the break yep it's that time a month again it is time for the real estate talk triangle and my panelists joining me as per usual tim sirianos broker owner of remax ultimate former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. I also have Greg Bennell joining me. He is host anchor at b Bloomberg, and he always is focusing on the economy and real estate. And just for clarity, folks, uh, their opinions do not reflect any of their associations that they are with. They're just simply their opinions like we like to hear. Guys, welcome back to the show. Great to be back.
1: Always good to be here.
0: So, you know, lots going on in the news. We hear about inflation. We hear about investors forcing the market. Tim, I'm gonna start off with you. uh, I'm kind of taking exception for some of these these people picking on real estate investors. They're saying 25% of transactions that are happening are because of real estate investors. I gotta kind of question that. They're really trying to throw out, there's a real estate speculation play here. And quite frankly, I don't see it. You know, I talk to real estate investors every single day if they're buying investment real estate they're buying to hold to hang on to create wealth in the future tell
2: me what do you see on the ground well i knew you going to ask me this question and i you know took the <laughs> initiative of making sure that i reviewed a lot of the transactions we had in our in our last you know 30 plus days and i even went a little bit further back and i want to start off by saying that the headlines don't tell the full story um, the reality is that you know a lot of homes in the Greater Toronto Area. Uh, you're looking at the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s. They were built with secondary units. For example, are, are these people now who are buying these places living in one floor, renting out the other? Are they considered investors? Um, you know, we've had some transactions that I looked at where people you know did buy triplexes, and we even had some you know some transactions where people were buying not to live in today, but to live in in three, four, five, six years from now. So, you know, they figure, you know, they have a down payment, Um, they'll, you know, they're not ready to move out of their home or not ready to move into the city, but they will buy. Um, They will, you know, enter that property into the rental market, um, satisfy the need for rental, which, you know, desperately is needed anyway, and then turn around and, you know, at some point down the road, move into it. That is their clear intention. Their intention has not been to, uh, to flip in any way, shape or form. And you know, to, to be candid with you guys and, and to everybody listening, it's it's somewhat demonizing, you know, people who are trying to plan for their future, right? People who are trying to find a way to, you know, buy a home. And, you know, if, if there is a secondary unit, why, why not have it help them um, in their in their affordability of, of their real estate uh, purchase? So I mean, I'm not seeing any of that kind of speculation. Um, at all. I'm actually seeing quite the opposite. People are just trying to find ways to make um, their work. you know, the place they're going to, you know, live and work, whether it's for today or whether it's uh, in a few years from now.
0: You know, Greg, Tim makes a good point. You know, people actually trying to create something for their future. You know you know me as a simple investor. I do talk about this on a regular basis. But more importantly, when we take a look at what's actually happening in this marketplace, to say that we've got 25% of the people buying investment properties, you know, my, my, my recourse to that is, guess what? We also have a huge increase in tenants coming our way. You know, it, it's a necessity. So I don't know... You know, if we can turn around and say, you know, the first time home buyers are being neglected because there are people that are buying up some of these suites. But quite frankly, that's not the only reason why people are doing it. They're not buying for speculation. They're actually buying to be a little bit more in control of their future. I don't know. What's your take on it?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's a demonization of the investor so much as everyone trying to figure out just what went on this year. I saw an interesting Number from Stats Canada, and it was only for the second quarter. So you're talking about the spring of this year. But they talked about the province of Ontario actually actually seeing net out migration. It wasn't a huge amount, uh you know. And there's always an ebb and flow of the population. But then I thought, well, how does you know the idea of overwhelming demand fit with the idea that we actually had you know ten thousand? I can't remember the number. It wasn't yeah, 10, it, was it was just people, over ten thousand less people. Yeah. Yeah, Ontario. I thought, well, that that doesn't make sense. So someone else is buying the houses. We haven't had huge immigration. I, I think the most interesting part of this is who can become an investor now, right? I mean, we know that traditionally there have been real estate investors, and i rented a place when i first got to toronto and the second place was a rental as well and we had landlords and a good relationship there's nothing you know demonic about that but the fact now that people perhaps my age who first got into the real estate market 2003 2004 all i was thinking was hey maybe i'll pay this place off pay, pay the place off one day suddenly it's quadrupled in value suddenly i have this huge pool of capital and my home equity to tap, if I wanted to go buy more properties, I, I do feel like there was something that changed in the game, and you, you guys would know better than me. And, and Todd, of course, through what you deal with in terms of how people are sourcing capital. My parents didn't go buy investment properties in the '80s simply because their, you know, mortgage rate was 18, and they were just struggling to pay off the house they had. And now I have a whole cohort of friends, by lucky accident, who suddenly had them, you know, with the flip of a, a smartphone, can say, ah, I just uh, accessed two hundred thousand dollars and bought a condo. Like, you know what? I feel like there's a dynamic there that is a bit different today than it's been in other days.
0: Well, when the Bank of Canada comes out with a report, and this is, this is one of the things that I think is a little frustrating. They say investor-fueled housing market mania uh, puts central Canada's biggest cities at risk of correction. And, you know... <sighs> And, and again, you know, all of us here, we we know that headlines can be misleading. They're, and as Tim had said earlier, not always 100% truthful. You know, you got to dig down into it. But, you know, for the Bank of Canada to make such a, a an abrupt statement as the fact that, you know, when the investors are the one driving this market, you know, I, uh, I don't agree with it. And the one big thing, uh, Greg, is that, you know, the Bank of Canada right now, you know, they're, they're looking at inflation, they're looking at increasing interest rates, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, probably spring, we're going to see some uptick, you know, are they really just trying to set the tone that they're trying to get people to stop buying? I mean, you know, they obviously have to control inflation, but where are we with the Bank of Canada today?
1: I think their biggest concern is that they don't want people buying real estate on the bet that it goes up forever. Because, I mean, anyone who's been in the industry or has covered the industry knows nothing goes up forever. It doesn't mean catastrophe is waiting for us on the other side of it, but that shouldn't be your business plan. But then we talk about real estate investors, right, and speculators, and we know that if you can fall into the investor bucket, you're not thinking that way you're thinking about caring costs you're thinking as tim was saying off the top about long-term plans for the property i think they worry about the froth at the fringes and i don't think anyone has an answer to that right in terms of okay if you got some people who are amateurs and they're on the fringes of this and they don't really understand the longer-term play that real estate can be if you do it wisely how are they going to react i think that's what they worry about because i i think we're going to see those higher boring costs i think the only thing that derails us now from higher borrowing costs next year whether it's our central bank or the US Federal Reserve is for the pandemic to knock us on our ear again and nobody wants that just to keep the cheap money flowing to see the economy fall off a cliff so I I think they're coming.
0: Yeah and Tim you know I'm pretty sure that you know even though we're coming into the holiday season and a lot of times the marketplace itself in January was always a little bit quieter but you know with
2: the potential
0: uptick in interest rates do you think that we're going to see a nice strong December January and February?
2: So it's you know great question. We talked about this last time we were you know three of us were together and we talked about you know with the with the, the the thought of interest rates you know going up that it would drive more people into the market to actually make them rush into the market that would drive more activity and and higher prices. And I and I said in the last the last time we were together, I said I don't believe it's going to happen this time. I don't think that we're going to see an extremely busy um november december above and beyond because of the threat of interest interest rates going up and guess what we haven't as a matter of fact we're we're seeing uh typically throughout you know many neighborhoods in toronto uh, a little bit of a pullback a slowdown a pause you know a calmness in in the in the in the market right so do i do i believe that we're going to have a very very busy january february march Uh, there's no question about that it's you know you're entering the spring market um, you know uh, realtors are going to get back to work after the holiday season people's folks will be back on real estate after that too uh the promise of the nicer weather the spring market is always the busiest market in any given you know calendar year
0: right um, so folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, this section of the show, it's called the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And my guests every single month joining me, Tim Siriano, broker owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, Greg Benell, he is host and anchor at BM Bloomberg, focusing on the economy and real estate. Um, guys, we're gonna go to a quick break as we always do, right about at this time. <laughs> but when we come back We're going to have a lot more. Greg, I do want to address CMHC. I also want to talk about the Prime Minister, the good old guy that's trying to spend some of the Canadian money, and he's doing it, I think, a little haphazardly. So, folks, when we come back, we've got more with the Real Estate Talk Triangle, and we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this part of my show it's called the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And joining me every single month, my panelists: Tim Serianos. he is broker owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. Greg Binell, you can catch him weekly, uh, actually daily during the week, on the B and M Bloomberg. He's host and anchor, and focusing on the economy and real estate. Guys, just before the break. You know, we were talking about, you know, Bank of Canada, interest rates, a little bit of pressure. Greg, I do want to address what the throne speech and the prime minister decided to throw into his throne speech. You know, highlighting real estate prices, you know, it's become a political issue. You know, he wanted to, and and here's the pledge that I wanted to ask you about because I just, you know, I, I think there's so much desperation, especially by him, four billion to fund to finance a hundred thousand new urban homes by 2025, and a separate promise to create a new rent-to-own program as as examples of commitment to lowering the cost of shelter. Um, you know, it's it, it sounds eerily like that part where he was going to throw in the CMHC first time home buyer incentive back before the other election which fell on its face and they're actually saying they're going to revamp it and make that one more attractive.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to see such a lukewarm reception to the ideas that Ottawa has thrown out there so far and of course that the role that they can play ultimately. I mean if they want to show up with some bucks in the billions to work with municipalities and and the home building industry then maybe you know on the supply issue then maybe we're having a, a conversation but this idea that I don't. There's not an appetite clearly from when we saw that incentive come out the first time. They tried to tweak it, and still, this idea that oh, do I want someone else in bed with me on my real estate purchase, even though they're willing to help out to a certain degree? I mean, for the most part, the bank of mom and dad plays that role in society to to a large degree. Do you want the bank of mom and dad to become you know the CMHC or the Trudeau Liberals or anyone else in Ottawa? It doesn't seem to be a huge. Appetite for that at all. So it'd be interesting, but I mean, politicians feel like they have to say something now, right? You know, we we know Canadians are concerned about this, so we have this idea, this idea. And this idea but ultimately you have to sort of take a look at what are the drivers of demand where is the demand and then can the number of homes either for sale or the number of homes being built on an annual basis meet it try to bring some equilibrium back to the market where you don't have this really what we have now this, this tight market and whatever reason and we've hashed that out the first part of the show about why that demand is there and where it's coming from in the end it's there and are there homes to buy
0: So I know you've uh, been uh, in chats with CMHC. Do you want to bring us up to speed on, on their take on all of this?
1: I was actually talking with Bob Dugan this week, their, their chief economist, because haven't the heels of the Bank of Canada talking about their concern about investors. Uh, Peter Rutledge, the banking regulator, was on our network talking about uh, credit quality. So, uh, what's going on up there? I mean, CMHC hasn't changed this tune. And all through the pandemic, they have been concerned. I know it boils your blood, Todd, to a certain degree. <laughs> I I mean, it's, they're Canada's housing agency. I mean, if they just kept saying everything's great, everything's great. I mean, I think like the Bank of Canada trying to throw out a word of caution, there, saying don't don't get into the market just because you think you cannot lose and never lose. But that's a hard, when you tell people who don't have uh, knowledge of the downturns of past decades that you you might not win in the end, all they've been doing is looking around at everyone else winning for years. So it definitely puts a bias in the people's heads. So I think that's sort of the mission they're on, right? I'm not, I don't know if they're doomsdayers as much as they're saying, just be smart about what you're doing because if things turn the other way, just make sure you're not exposed. You don't go over the cliff with other people who just didn't think these things through.
0: You know, Tim, when when Greg brings that up, and he's right, it makes my my blood boil. I can't stand the reports. <laughs> they they have been so wrong in my opinion and also their take on the real estate market. But the one thing that we do know that was implemented in twenty eighteen was, of course, the stress test. And, you know, it is still it is still being utilized. In fact, it more so than ever when we take a look at the differential between today's interest rates and what they're actually getting you to qualify at. Do you concur, you know, with some of these reports that, you know, people should be a little bit more cautious, you know, um you know they keep they keep wanting to project a downturn, and you know you know the three of us beat this around all the time, and we talk about inventory. Still, that 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 is the number one issue I think in real estate in Canada. But Tim, what's your take on it?
2: Well, I mean, looking at history, it's been what twenty seven years since we've had a big downturn in the real estate market. It's it's really hard for people to believe that there will be a downturn again because it's been going so strong for so many years. And you're you're talking about the supply being a challenge. You're talking about the immigration coming back. You're talking about, you know, more buying buying incentives instead of supply incentives. So it's very hard to have faith into you know the belief, you know, of any belief that there's going to be a downturn and, and it's going to crash and burn and everything else, right? So, but you know, going back to you know what the government's proposing, and nothing really there has enough teeth to provide, you know, supply. Something that I'm that we're watching a lot of that's creating a supply issue as well, you know, not to throw a monkey wrench here at everybody, is is reverse mortgages. The amount of people that are actually signing up for reverse mortgages right now and staying in their home and not putting these properties to market is quickly rising. I mean, we need to look, um, you know, generally speaking, I think the powers that we need to look at, you know, what these habits are and why people are doing what they're doing. Um, that's That's a big concern for future supply as well. You know,
0: I'm glad you brought that one up because that is a really good point. And Greg, I do want to talk to you about it because those darn baby boomers—they're just not getting up and out <laughs> and going into that old age home as fast as they should. You know, I mean, come on—you're you, living it by yourself over the age of 75. How dare you? You know, this is this is part of that mindset where people just are naturally assuming that you know we're going to have a ton of inventory and money floating around once the baby boomers kick it or or at least leave. But the one thing that we recognized, and and we've done this collectively, that you know, we realized how important home is over the last twenty four months, going through this entire situation. Greg, you know, Tim makes up makes a great point. The baby boomers just aren't up and out. So, and 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 they're living healthier. Like you know, like you you, you take a look. People are are living on their own into their mid eighties. You know, and they're doing fine. So. You know, is, is this anticipation of extra inventory and, and financing coming? You know, is is it just pie in the sky at this point?
1: If that day comes where the boomers do decide to move on, there might be, yeah, uh, as Tim says, a bit of an ease up in the market. I mean, I got my parents right now, they're still in the same house that Uh, They bought in 1983 when I was 12 years old. My bedroom is still there, and it's the empty bedroom phenomenon. Think about how many empty bedrooms there are across the GTA, because it's been a long time since my sister and I lived there, but her bedroom, they've remodeled, obviously. It's not Iron Maiden posters all over this (laughs) spare room now, but my bedroom's still there, and it's empty. Her bedroom is there, and it is empty. There's two people living in a four-bedroom house, but the thing is, you bring up the great point, uh, they're they're in their mid-70s, but they're still healthy. They're not at the point where they feel like I can't, because that's another reason to move, right? I cannot handle the property anymore. I can't handle the pool. I can't handle the front lawn. They can handle it all. So they're not leaving. And then the boomers have changed everything, right? As they moved through the years. Everything about our society has just been turned on its head by their demand. And so it's interesting. I think you have a lot of empty bedrooms. This has been a, a story that's been developing for years across the GTA with people living in houses that are bigger than they need, yeah. but do we have the right to tell them to leave? I yeah, like the way got to be cautious with it's, that it's one. My parents house. It's yeah, my parents Greg,
0: house. Greg, you and I both know that's that's a, that we that's a slippery slope if we go down that one because people there are actual people, actual groups that are sitting there saying, "You should not be allowed to own a 3,000 square foot house if there's just two of you." You know, and this is this is this is where you know people are up in arms, just like you said. There's two empty bedrooms. You know, there's all this extra space, but isn't it their right to stay there? I mean, this this is the problem that I think we're going to see more and more of. You know, people are going to say, "Look, there's only one person alive. Get them out of the house, right?"
1: <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous. That's slippery. Talk about losing an election if you ever campaigned on that.
2: <laughs> Tim, well, what's my, parents, your t- my parents are no different. 3,200 square feet. You know, um, two people, four bedrooms uh, not the 3,200 square feet, not including the basement, by the way, and they're not going anywhere. They're healthy, you know, th- thank goodness. And, you know, everything's great with them. Um, but you know, you can't force, uh, people to, to move. We had a conversation, um, and they're like, no, you know, we're very happy. Um, uh, where am I going to go, son? Where am I going to go? I love my garden. <laughs> you know, I love where I live all I the neighbors. I'm not moving. Take me out two feet forward. Right. <laughs> I mean like, okay, let, let's not go there. You know, <laughs> Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, gentlemen, we're going to go a quick break. Folks, if you're just tuning in, my guests, my panelists every single month with me on the Real Estate Talk Triangle, Tim Serianos and Greg Benell. And uh, we've got lots to talk about still, so make sure you stay tuned. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, The Simple Investor One. And we'll be right back after this. And welcome back, my guests this hour, Greg Bennell, Tim Serianos, part of the real estate talk triangle. Uh, gentlemen, just before the break, you know, we were we were talking about the baby boomers and how dare they stay in their properties longer. You know, we need inventory. Come on, guys, up and out. You know, we I say that in jest, but Truth be told, you know, inventory is an issue. But one of the things that, uh, Tim, that's making some headlines is the, the tactic of doing the, you know, uh, offer night. You know, a lot of people are trying to, uh, you know, create some demand, looking for multiple offers. You know, a lot of sellers wanting to have it happen. A few of them are falling a little bit short. You know, uh, I, I think, as you had mentioned, the market, you know, could be just kind of relaxing a little. We're coming into the holidays. Maybe people have decided that, you know, we're going to focus on, you know, getting ready for Christmas as opposed to buying, but there are a few, you know, reports that people have to relist after that specific offer night and put it back on the market and say, okay, I'll accept them when they come in.
2: Uh, unless you list it for a dollar. And, oh, one, yes. and 1, you 1. caught that 2. one too <laughs> for a <it's>, dollar. <laughs> uh, uh, wow. And you start advertising, you can start advertising that sold one point one nine, you know, one yeah, nine costume <laughs> price. Right. <laughs> <That's, laughs> It's stunning. Um, you know, absolutely. Listen, I mean, uh, as I said before in the last show, and I'll say it again, like people are starting to take a little bit of a pause, taking a little bit of a breath right now. It, it is very, very normal to be in that seasonally adjusted time. Uh, there is a direct correlation of realtors working and sales happening as well. Right. So there's, there are a lot of people that are, that are just kind of, there is some, there is buyer fatigue as well. At the same time, while there are price points that have experienced that the price point that is in the outer skirts of the city have seen as many as 15 18 and 22 offers we were involved just yesterday uh, a home on the east side of the city a beautiful home uh, price point about 1.1 had 12 offers on it so it is it, it depends on price point more so than than um uh, anything else right
0: well you know and and price point i agree with you know i think also as you mentioned you know you're getting a little bit of a pause in the marketplace we also have less inventory kicking around some people you know a lot of people don't like to list their home in the holidays you know, I know for a fact that, you know, when listings came, it was always, we'll wait till after Christmas. They want to get through the holidays. You know, they don't like people coming through when they're decorating, you know, if it's if they're celebrating, things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that, you know, we're going to see a little bit of a pause as we creep into the new year. Uh, Greg, when we when we take a look at the new year, you know, one of the things most people, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the show, anticipate some interest rate increases. But one of the things that I think we need to focus on is the fact that, you know, the border is going to start to open up. And I think the immigration that we're going to be talking about, um, you know, is going to become a big factor when we take a look at 2022. What's your take on it?
1: Oh, most definitely. Once more people start coming, and it's sort of interesting And when Tim talked about like the, the outer markets and, and the extreme activity we've seen, my gut tells me, and this is just simply my gut next year with resumed immigration, with a bit higher interest rates, people are still, and the return to work, right? This one's fascinating. All that movement we saw saying it doesn't matter now if it takes me two hours to drive into the head office because I work from home now, and maybe they only want to see me once a week, and I can swing that. Anecdotal again, but I know a few people who made the big move who are now facing a two hour train ride into the city when they got called back to work. And they got called back to work sooner than they expected and more often than they expected. I'm really interested in what happens with those communities outside of the GTA where it is a slog. Because if you're looking at a four hour round trip to go to work every day, there's only so much. My round trip is two hours every day. And you're like, okay, I can live with that. I'm really. Curious what's gonna happen with those smaller markets where we saw price appreciation of 50-60% because Toronto money was moving further afield. I I want to keep my eye on that one. Every once in a while, my wife will say, Let's get out of here, let's get out of here. Everyone has that, right? You live in the GTA, let's get out of here. I'm tired of it. I said, I don't know if I'd want to buy in one of those further afield communities right now where prices soared year over year because as people get, get called back to work and life changes again. I I don't I don't know if they can sustain that kind of strength. But I do think, and this is my gut again, that the cores will. We'll hold it together better only because that's where the work is that's where life is
0: yeah greg i'm gonna ask you this question tim i'll let you weigh on in if you wish because it's a bit of a, a hot topic and a touchy one brokerage is dealing with fallout from misconduct investigation at humber college real estate program in fact 34 people uh, are they're getting their uh, registrations revoked and Humber, of course, if everybody's aware, uh, has taken over the real estate uh, education from the Ontario Real Estate Association, uh, area, And, you know, it's it's one of those things that the way they've done it online, um, you know, they're basically saying that there's a whole lot of cheating going on and they're, they're they've revoked 34 licenses. Does this put, you know, a bad light on the education system now for Humber because RICO's had to step in?
1: Is this Tim or me? The, I I'm gonna get, let Greg answer it, and I'll let Tim. I'll let him,
0: <laughs> you know, simmer on it yeah. and see if he wants to to weigh in.
1: Any headline when you're talking about real estate? The thing about real estate right now is people are so. I'm going to say passionate, but a lot of people are actually angry about what's going on and what what other side of the equation they're on. Like this is huge amount of interest and debate all the time. So when you get a headline like this, where you, you know, accusations of foul play, it doesn't help anybody because people, there are people who feel left out, right? There's people who feel cheated by the system and they see stuff like this and it doesn't doesn't help at all. But at the same time, you want transparency. You want to shine a light on things where you'd say, hey, the whole reason, you know, we we do this and regulate the space and educate is to find the bad actors, to try to stop bad actions. So you just can't sweep it under the rug. But it's definitely the kind of headlines that make people who are already very cynical about all this say, uh-huh, look at that.
0: So Tim, I'll ask you if you want to weigh in, if you say pass, no problem. If you say yay, oh, go ahead. I'm not going to pass. I'm not going to okay. pass.
2: I, I, I'm a tremendous advocate for transparency, as you both know. Um, I was really disheartened by the report. It demonstrated a blind spot uh, in the college, I guess, of what was going on. Um, Some of the people who were brought or or charged with this uh, misconduct are are standing by, like standing really firm saying, I did not cheat, it was not me. We'll let them figure that out. Um, I I do agree with Greg. I don't like any bad eyeballs (laughs) on the industry, right? I want to have the most professional people come out of the educational process and have you know the the industry elevate and and not go down right so um these things happen um they happen in any industry in any college in any place and all you got to do is learn from it and make sure that you make it better moving forward
0: yeah excellent well gentlemen you know what that's a wrap for this week i do want to thank you always for joining me uh greg any last thoughts you want to
1: throw out there any last thoughts one more month of selling i mean we're almost into december now uh at will i mean i think tim has laid it out for us right that people are going to chill out a little bit it's because it's still a weird holiday right it's not like as bad as it was last year but it's still not quite normal yet
2: yeah well, it's a weird one it's a weird holiday yeah. and i'm still going to say that december is going to uh be still a lot better and you know we will be talking next month but as i said before this will be the best year um, for numbers, um, for Toronto real estate.
0: Wow. Well, that'll be fun for us to do that recount in the new year, Tim. Um, you know what, Greg, I think you and I need to take some bets and we'll see who
2: gets closest to it. But gentlemen,
0: <laughs> once again, <laughs> thanks. For, thanks for joining me this month, as you always
2: do. And it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure with you, with both of you. Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Wow, it's always great to have Tim Serianos and Greg Bennell join me for our real estate talk triangle. You know, I, I I'm so fortunate that they've been joining me for the last few years and really giving us a different perspective on it. And by the way, like I said, you can catch Greg Bunnell at B&M Bloomberg during the week, focusing on the economy and real estate. And Tim Seriano is broker owner of Remax Ultimate, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. So always a pleasure having them on the show. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, don't forget If you haven't figured out what 2022 should look like for you, join me for my real estate investment webinar coming up on Thursday, January the 6th, 7pm. You can go to TheSimpleInvestor.com to register. Uh, I am going to talk about 2022, what the prospects of owning investment real estate will look like. Some of the ins and outs, who makes the best tenant. There's going to be a lot that I'm going to be discussing during this hour as well. Of course, I have a new release coming out and it's going to only be that night that you can find out about it. To uh, to give you the ability of becoming a real estate investor or add to your portfolio. Most important thing is it's completely hands off and you are guaranteed positive cash flow from the property. So, again, uh, go to the simpleinvestor.com to register. And heck, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's easy, The Simple Investor One. But uh, I do want to thank Ian. Grant for making it simple for me as he does every single week. And I want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. And I will be back next Sunday at noon as per usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.